the admission of Saudi Arabia as a formal member of the BRICS alliance starting January 1st, 2024 is huge. Um, it's, it's, it's a massive deal, but it's not just Saudi Arabia, of course, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you also invited, or they also invited uh, Iran or made them official members. Iran, the United Arab Emirates, uh, along with Saudi Arabia and Ethiopia. He's the number one economic advisor to the Biden administration. He advocates for the immediate removal uh, and shedding of the world reserve standard that we do, the, the privilege is something that we can no longer afford, the distortions. If you've been paying attention, you know the global economy is transforming. The BRICS nations want to see the end of the dollar reserve currency, and many countries are joining their effort. The Western banking system is the most fragile it's been since 2008. The highly respected Weiss Research Group accurately provided advance warning on which banks are going to fail with 99.3% accuracy after the 2008 crisis. They are now predicting that a whopping 4,243 banks are vulnerable to failure, and 1,210 of those banks face imminent failure. When this situation comes to pass, it will dwarf the 2008 banking crisis. The only asset that has historically weathered a storm this severe has been precious metals. It has never been a better time to buy gold and silver to protect your family. Contact Miles Franklin at info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me and you will get the best service and the best prices on gold and silver in the country. That is a guarantee from them to me. Remember, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me. Do this now to protect your assets and the ones you love. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have my friend Andy Sheckman coming back to the program. I needed to bring him back because of the BRICS summit that happened last week. I wanted to talk about all these oil countries, Saudi Arabia, United Emirates, Iraq, all these oil countries are joining the BRICS and with Russia. So we want, we need to talk about that, what that means to the petrodollar, but he says it's way beyond the petrodollar. So we're going to talk about that. It's the green energy that they're doing. It's the fact that the advisors to Biden, his top two advisors want, want the reserve currency to die and they want the banks to die and to centralize that's what Biden's two top advisors want. That's scary. And, and people need to know what's going on. He also has a theory on how they're going to get all of Americans, most of us, to accept a CBDC by 2025. I think the biggest takeaway of this is how they're doing it. And the fact that the majority of people, even if you don't want it, you are going to be forced to take it. And he'll explain why, how he thinks that they're doing it. We can still fight this. We can have gold and silver so that we can have alternative currencies. You can have cryptos to have alternative currencies. That you got to be prepared for because if you don't have that, then you're going to be stuck just in their CBDC system. So this is an interesting conversation. I don't know the whole BRICS currency. That's another one I ask them. Well, is it their version of CBDC? Seems like the world's going to move to that. And it's just a CBD system anyways. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to tie it into the great reset. We're going to talk about Klaus Schwab. This is another great conversation with Andy Sheckman. Um, we're going to talk about the banks, you know, the Weiss uh, research group talking about the banks, when that's going to happen. Um, you know, Andy is 
become an advisor for so many people are reaching out to him. His, his world is changing and it's really great that we have him on to be able to talk to us because some of the top people around the world are just calling him and asking for his advice. And so you're getting really good advice here. And I think you can tell he's just so smart. The other thing before I start this is we talk about how if you want some gold and silver, not as an investment, although I think it's in a wonderful investment right now, but he always talks about it being an insurance. And we talk about what is the possibility of where these prices are going to go, you know, like silver, is it going to go over 700? And is that reasonable? And we break that out on why that could be a reasonable price. But he also always says, it's not about that though, because of where we're at, you need this insurance. So we're going to talk about uh, converting IRAs for safety. We're going to talk about buying silver and gold for safety. We're going to talk about all that. So hold on to your hats and get into this conversation. It is a good one. It's a deep one. It's an important one. And I need to remind you to go to sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter. I keep telling everybody that and sarahwestall.substack.com. And while you're there, please support my affiliates. That's how I keep the show going. Let's get into my conversation. Actually, he does a lot of the talking with my friend, Andy Sheckman. Hi, Andy. Welcome back to the program. Sarah, it's always great to see you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, we have a lot to talk about. The BRICS had their meeting and they formally invited uh, Saudi Arabia. I, what does that do to the petrodollar? I mean, what well, is going on here? It's not even, I mean, yes, uh, of course. The admission of Saudi Arabia as a formal member of the BRICS alliance starting January 1st, 2024 is huge. Um, it's, it's, it's a massive deal, but it's not just... Saudi Arabia, of course, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you also invited, or they also invited uh, Iran or made them official members. Iran, the United Arab Emirates, uh, along with Saudi Arabia and Ethiopia. United Arab um, Emirates is a big deal too for the petrodollar because they're much, what, the because third. You have 80% of the world's oil supply between Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iran, United Arab Emirates, uh, you're talking, and Saudi Arabia, of course, being the yes. of it all, a massive amount. And, you know, when you take a step back and realize that one of the very first things President Biden did when he took office was to sign an executive order telling the world that we're going green by 2050, 80% green, by 2030, over 50% green. And the what that signaled to the Saudis on top of weaponizing the world reserve currency, which isn't our job to do, right? I mean, if you are the administrator of the world reserve, you shouldn't have the power to say you can use it and you can't. That should be, if anything, for world opinion. But the act of weaponizing the dollar and pushing away Saudi Arabia, signing an executive order, that's about really, if you wanted to follow a script on how to lose the world reserve status, but get this, the number one economic advisor to the United States government, to President Biden, is a man named Jared Bernstein, who has gained infamy for writing reports over the last several years, picked up by the New York Times and the Washington Post, the most famous being dethroned King Dollar. He's the number one economic advisor to the Biden administration. He advocates for the immediate removal uh, and shedding of the World Reserve Standard, that we do the, the privilege is something that we can no longer afford. The distortions and the trade imbalances, imbalances that it creates 
is something that we can no longer afford. And so when you talk about following the script, I mean, you couldn't draw it up any better. Well, but I when don't, you talk- okay, how is he able to argue that? Unless everybody's also on board with that, how can you possibly argue that that's bad for us? I mean, the money coming back to our shores is going to kill our economy. And we're it'll be hyperinflation when all this money comes back. How can he argue that? It, with because we have such a face. massive... It's because we have such a massive trade imbalance and, and, and a trade deficit. Um, and you're right. And, and maybe that's intended. And I've talked a lot about that lately, whereby you got to wonder, was it intended? Because the ramifications of losing the world reserve status would be extraordinary, where if everyone dumped dollars and they hit our shore, it would create hyperinflation. It, it would be the Great Reset. It would be the Klaus Schwab moment, but it wasn't just joining BRICS that Saudis did. So look, when we talk about Saudi Arabia, it's not just the fact that they um, have joined the BRICS. It's big. Um, Every one of the OPEC countries are on the Belt Road Initiative, which amounts to 75% of the human population. Right now, 50% of global GDP. It's about 150 plus countries. And um, But it's not just that. It's the the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, um, the largest regional financial and military organization in the world, uh, in, in essence, the Chinese army. You also have the uh, BRICS New Development Bank that they applied to. They signed a military agreement with Russia when it is our, our protection of the Saudi kingdom that gives us the dollar hegemony. You could argue that they are now being protected by two of the three largest nuclear arsenals in the world. They told everyone at Davos that they would be willing to take Uh, taking other currencies for oil at the meeting a few months back, uh, which, you know, really, that in and of itself, you could argue that the petrodollar standard is over because it was the deal that was struck in 1973 between Kissinger and the Saudi kingdom that, hey, we'll protect you. But for that, you will exclusively through OPEC denominate all oil sales in dollars. And they have for the past 50 years until now. And Look, there's no coincidence when Biden signed an executive order after weaponizing the dollar, there is absolutely no reason to for the Saudis to hitch their wagon to an entity that's moving away from, from what gives the, the Saudis really uh, their way of life, and that is fossil fuels and, and oil production. We're moving away from that, we tell them. Anyway, so it's a big deal, but during the majority of my podcasts, I've done over 1,200 in the past almost four years on this subject, talking about it long before anybody did. And I always saw the, the symmetry amongst the Belt Road Initiative, the BRICS, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, and the Eurasian Economic Union. Because, for example, Russia's members of all of them, China's members of several of them, Saudi Arabia's in the BRICS and the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. And so, and the Belt Road. And so you see all of this um, this systemic connection amongst these groups. Well, all of the members of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization or their delegates and the Eurasian Economic Union were invited to the BRICS meeting. Now you put all four of these entities together, which ultimately I believe they will be, um, you have 85 to 90% of human population. The members of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization and the Eurasian Economic Union met recently to discuss just this, 
not only combining these two organizations, but also melding with the BRICS. It is something that you will see as far as I'm concerned, but it, it's even deeper than that. And I think it's important to just discuss a couple other things and then I'll take any questions that, that you have. And, and that is our allies, right? So when you talk about France, as an example, Macron and France were right there with us in 2022 when we imposed the sanctions on the Russians. And, you know, all of a sudden we see the French and in particular Macron breaking ranks. Let me explain what I mean. Um, he asked to be admitted to the BRICS meeting that just finished. August 22nd was the start of it in Johannesburg and they turned him down. But before they did that, uh, they, uh, Macron went to see Xi Jinping in, um, uh, in China and struck a deal with him, a 50-point trade agreement treaty that ranged from a 5G technology to military engagement. He also did a massive liquid natural gas deal with uh, the United Arab Emirates, paid for it in Yuan. Now, listen to a couple of the things that Macron just got through saying after the meeting. He said, Macron, the president of France, said the world order is changing with the situation getting tougher and more complicated, which runs the risk of weakening the West and Europe in particular. He stressed the need to avoid partitioning the world over the Ukraine war at a time when many countries from the global South, that would be the BRICS, have refused to condemn Russian aggression. Now, here's where it gets interesting. We must avoid a narrative that claims this is Europe's war. It does not concern us, he said. And here's the last thing he said. France also seeks to be a trusted partner on the geopolitical front, added Macron. Now, is that like central bank Tinder? I don't know what the hell that means. He's part of the G7. So does that mean he's seeking to be a trusted partner with the, the group that he is doing trade with, the group that he asked to be part of? You are seeing our allies break ranks. And when one last thing to explain how this, there's a term in economics or in statistics um, called logarithmic decay. And it's like kind of like being on the Niagara Falls and you're way back up river and you don't know what's in front of you, but you start to slowly pitch a little bit, little by little by little by little. You hear something out in the horizon. You're, what the hell is that? Little by little by little by little by little, bang, all at once. Now, where are we on that graph? I don't know. But just to give you an example of how really what is happening is the dollar is losing its role as the settlement currency for energy. Give you an example. There's another article that just came out. A Chinese firm has secured a contract from Iran, who was just admitted not only to the BRICS, but also the Shanghai Cooperation Organization to upgrade its major international airport. But Sarah, wait till you hear how they plan on paying for this. Iran was awarded a two point, Iran awarded a $2.7 billion airport project to a Chinese contractor. The company had been selected to carry out the project after intensive negotiations with several domestic and international contractors. However, Iran will pay for the project using a barter mechanism that allows swapping crude oil for financial resources, equipment, and technical services. What we are seeing is a union of countries joining together and, and moving away from settling things with the dollar. You got Brazil and China, the second largest exporter of corn in the world that is now settling with each other between real and, and, and yuan. 
You have all of these deals that are little by little by little by little weakening the dollar hegemony, weakening the amount of demand needed to settle all of these settlements like Macron buying huge, huge amount of liquid natural gas with yuan, all of these things settled in dollars. So little by little by little, you start to see erosion in the settlement value of the dollar, which at some point will dramatically impact the reserve status of the dollar. And as all these countries coalesce together, there is safety in numbers. And when that moment happens, when Saudi Arabia with all their OPEC brothers and sisters on the Belt Road standing there protected by, in essence, India, China, and Russia, and the rest of the BRICS entities that make up the majority of human population say, hey, look, you guys are going green. What's the big deal? You signed an executive order to do so. You've told us that. We don't like how you've weaponized the dollar. We don't like the performance of the bond market over the last year and a half. We've lost a lot. You have $155 trillion in debt with $5 trillion in assets with, with 40% of that asset base being student debt. So in essence, you're a banana republic, 125% debt to GDP, but at least you don't jail your political opposition yet. So we're, gonna, <laughs> we're yeah. going to take oil in another currency or in several other currencies. And when that happens, bang, every single country on the planet must then accumulate another currency. But to that's buy what's oil. going on. So I mean, that's what's obviously oil. building up to what's happening, that's right. right? But that's now let's talk Schwab about moment. that's the Klaus Schwab reset. So the World Economic Forum, who controls most of the Western uh, people, I mean, they're all involved in it. Macron, a, a lot of our politicians, the, you know, the prime minister of Canada, Trudeau, they were all part of this World Economic Forum. They are part of this. I mean, yeah. maybe that's why they're trying to redo. Are they moving everything to the east, the east? And do they have power that way? Or are they, is that why we're seeing all this goofiness? Because certain people think they're okay. Other people are going to lose their power. I mean, how would so this I'm going to answer that question, and, and I think I can give you what I believe my answer is, but everyone talks about Klaus Schwab and the Klaus Schwab moment, uh, the great reset that everyone talks about, but there was someone far wiser than Klaus Schwab um, who, who told us hundreds of years ago the exact same thing that Klaus Schwab has been telling us. I'm going to answer that question, why I think it's going to happen. Why are they doing this? But I just want to read to you one thing. So, you know, over the last four years, the United States has printed more money than the entire history of the United States preceding it. At the same time, they stepped on interest rates, the central banks did, stepped on them. And that created distortions in asset prices where house prices went up two or three times in a year. That's not how it works. 401ks doubled or tripled in a year. That ain't how it works. And so people have seen all of these asset prices get distorted because of the deluge of money and the suppression of interest rates. So I want to read you something. Think of Klaus Schwab when I say this. This was written by Thomas Jefferson hundreds of years ago. And what he said was, um, if the United States allowed a central bank in the United States, in the USA, to control the money supply, we would end up renting back the land that we conquered. They will do it first with inflation and then with deflation. So think about that for a moment. The inflation part has been accomplished. Most people have overpaid for their homes, their cars, their commercial real estate, their stocks, their bonds, all of these assets because of artificially low rates and easy money, which allowed risk takers to leverage 
what at the time seemed like reasonable value, right? And they've loaded up on assets, many of which had to finance these assets. And, and because rates were so low, it seemed like a, a smart deal, but those assets are rapidly turning into liabilities as rates rise. Well, as rates rise, we are heading into deflation. We have seen a massive inverted yield curve. Every single inverted yield curve going back to 1950, every one of them has preceded a big recession. Every one of them. This is the most inverted the yield curve has ever been in history. So we got a big recession coming up. Deflation, money supplies contracting. What did Thomas Jefferson say? First by inflation. So asset prices go way up. People are, are enticed into spending more money, into taking on greater debt. Then by deflation, the economy gets into a massive recession, depression. The businesses collapse. People lose their jobs. And that 4% mortgage you got on a half a million dollar house, which sounds great right now, until you lose your job, who's going to own it when it collapses? The bank, the BlackRock, the central bank, the big money who has lent all the money and distorted the hell out of everything. So whether it's Klaus Schwab, whether it's Thomas Jefferson, they are attempting to reset the system, it seems like, first by inflation, then by deflation. But why? We have $155 trillion in debt with $5 trillion in assets, the biggest asset being student debt. Google it. It's sick. It's over 40%. We are a broke, insolvent country. So get this. The Bank of International Settlements says everyone must have an operational central bank digital currency by 2025. They're also the bank that said gold is the only other tier one reserve asset. They said that in 2019. But so if, if, if you realize that if you take all of the gross domestic product in, in the world or take 95% of all of the GDP of the entire world and the countries that make it up, they are all in production right now uh, or in development of a central bank digital currency. They all will have one by 2025. But how do you get people to take a central bank digital currency? I think you create an event. Now, give me the two minutes to explain this. When they said, when President Biden said, it is Putin's inflation, I said, aha, they're looking for a villain. Because if you studied Austrian economics for 60 seconds, you would know that inflation is always a monetary event. It is an increase in the money supply, right? So they printed what? More money in the last four years than at any time in history, yet they blame Putin. No, it's an increase in the money supply. So if they're going to reset the system, what better way to do it than to find a villain? How do you find a villain? Well, you weaponize the dollar, you kick Russia out of SWIFT, you confiscate their assets and then tell Saudi Arabia, which is the linchpin of the dollar hegemony, hey, thanks, but we're going green, you take care. So Saudi Arabia dumps the dollar peg and takes other currencies for oil. Everything collapses and whose fault is it? It's those sons of bitches, they did it to us. They, how could they do that to us? And the, just like everyone in this country believed that the intentions were pure from, uh, from the, the pharmaceutical companies when we had to take a shot for you know what, Everyone's going to believe that's the case, that we were victimized by the rest of the world. And how else do you get everyone to take a central bank digital currency? Let me tell you, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security and government military pensions make up 130 of the 155 trillion in debt that we owe. Right. Who's dumping all of the bonds right now? China, Japan, Saudi Arabia. Who's buying all of the bonds right now? The U.S. public, because they are leaving the banks 
because the banks are about to collapse. They're chasing yield because the, the savings rate you get in a regional bank is one half of 1%. You can get 5% in a too big to fail bank with daily liquidity in their, in their money market or stay in a regional bank that will be bailed in and they're coming. That is the law, according to the Dodd-Frank law. The best rate you can get in one of those banks is 4.5% in a one-year CD or 5.5% in a money market in a too-big-to-fail bank that will be bailed out, not bailed in, with daily liquidity. They are fostering this massive um, exodus out of the banks. So you put it all together. You put it all together and... How do you get people to take a CBDC? Well, you collapse everything and you have a victim. You have a villain to blame it on. It wasn't us. It's not the fact that we printed more money than in the history of the country and distorted everything by stepping on interest rates. It's those bastards. They did it. So the fact that almost all of the debt is owed to the American public and the banks are going to collapse, have no fear. Because we talked about Jared Bernstein being the number one economic advisor whose whole thesis dethrone King dollar, lose the world reserve status, weaponize the dollar, push away Saudi Arabia. The number two economic advisor is Lael Brainerd, worked at the treasury, worked at the Fed, ran point for Fed now, which came out three weeks ago, the central bank um, payment processing system, just like Venmo and Zelle, it's the foray into the central bank digital currency. She's a modern monetary theorist. She believes in the central bank uh, creating monetary and fiscal policy, get rid of all the banks, call them. That's what she wants. How do you get this people to take the CBDC that we have to have by 2025? Bang, blow everything up. Collapse the system, dump the dollar. Everyone dumps dollars. The dollars come home, the dollar loses value. Interest rates spike to the moon. Powell didn't do it, they did it. Interest rates spike, stocks, bonds, real estate, and the dollar collapse. And they say, have no fear. Lil Brainerd is here. We know you lost your, your pension. We know your real estate's in the toilet. We know you lost your job and your 401k is worth nothing and your bank went belly up. Don't worry about it. We have a new CBDC sign on the dotted line. We make you whole. Because everyone who watches your show, Sarah, most of the people who watch mine, my talks, they're not going to take the CBDC if they have a choice. And <clears throat> you... You but everybody's going to feel like they did. Yeah, that's everyone's going to feel like they have to. That's and right. How you do you an event even, to make everyone want to. Yeah. Do. And then how do you even function in society without having CBDC? Because that's what everybody takes then. Well, and then when you take a look at the patents that uh, Bill Gates has, um, along with uh, Visa uh, and the World Bank and the patents, are really very scary and they center around the new enhanced 2020 ID that everyone's supposed to have. Yeah. And basically the patents that he has, and they came out like almost a day after um, the executive order for the central bank digital currency was signed. It's been in works for a long time. This is all Googleable. The patents that he has center around combination of your enhanced digital ID with your medical records and your bank accounts. So you didn't get a shot why are you out at a grocery store? You, you, the authorities are going to be called because you didn't get your shot and it's all on your ID here right now. So your money is paused. I mean, those are the things that they can do if your medical records and your money and your ID are combined into one ID. And that's what the patent is. Um, you know, we have some problems, Ms. Westhall. You're going to have to wait here for the authorities and, and please put that mask back on. Now, let's hope that kind of crap doesn't happen. But I want to say one other thing that 
you know, I've been getting a little pushback on this, but I don't care because I, I want to say it. And I am not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. I'm a libertarian. I think both parties suck. I think that I love Trump's policies. I thought he was an idiot in the way he spoke and he, he was his own worst, his own worst um, enemy. Enemy. Thank you. And but I take him over the current administration. I am a patriot. For I grew sure. up. I grew up in a country where I come from nothing. My dad's middle name is Miles. His friend who lent us 60 grand to start this company 33 years ago, middle name is Franklin. If there was betting odds in Vegas, we were the least likely to ever succeed. And we just eclipsed 9 billion in sales without a customer complaint. I love what this country has afforded me. But I'll tell you something. When you talk about what makes the dollar the world reserve currency, you have the petro status. We've already covered that. You have the full faith and credit. Well, we've discovered that they're 155 trillion in debt with 5 trillion in assets, with the largest asset being student debt. We are a banana republic. We are 130% debt to GDP. That is the definition of a banana republic. And on top of what we're doing with the political adversary part, we really appear as one. Well, what's the other part? The faith. And, and that's what bothers me more than anything. You know, if it was just the mismanagement of the world reserve currency, we are we have enough resolve and ingenuity to with our back against the wall to fix it. But how about the faith? There are people who walk across Central America and Mexico to get here to find freedom and justice. What did they used to say in elementary school when we used to say the Pledge of Allegiance for liberty and justice for all? I don't care if you are a diehard Democrat. I don't care at all. You, If you're honest with yourself, can you really say that the law is being equal uh, or, or administered equally. What is Lady Liberty holding? She's holding the scale of justice, the scales, right? So is it really being administered equally? Uh, is is our justice and our legal system being weaponized, the, the Justice Department, the FBI? I'm just asking people, do you think it is? I think the rest of the world looks at us and says, geez, you know, and, and I want to say one other thing. I grew up the, the child of two hippies. Um, I grew up under sex, drugs, and rock and roll in the 70s and 80s, and I respected everybody. You know, I don't care if you're gay, if you do drugs, whatever the hell you do, just don't infringe on me. Cool, you can still be my friend. I don't friend. care if I you're a plant. You. Right. I don't but now we have to celebrate transgenderism and cancel culture and what happened to you with GoDaddy. I mean, it's a nightmare. This is not the country that we grew up in, and I guarantee you this is not lost on our allies and especially not on our foes. So what makes a dollar the world reserve currency? The full faith and credit of the US government were broke. What about faith? And what about the petrodollar? So is this intended? Is what Jared Bernstein wants? Is it intended? Is it intended to level the playing field, to bring the dollar to a different place, to issue a new system, to bring on the CBDC? I don't know, but I'll tell you there is a fine line between conspiracy and reality. And if it's not, it is one hell of a coincidence that the two lead economic advisors, one wants to get rid of the banks and they're blowing up right now. And one wants to lose the world reserve status and we are losing it by default. We haven't got there yet. We're still the nicest smelling shirt in the dirty laundry hamper. But I can tell you the coalition of countries moving against the West and building infrastructure and doing it in a way that allows countries like Iran and, and Saudi Arabia to, to strike peace deals brokered by China for the first time ever. These countries hated each other, building embassies in each other's countries or a railway between Iran or Iraq or the first ever BRICS 
naval alliance that has Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, India, uh, Qatar. I mean, all of these countries that didn't like each other now have a common naval alliance. Do you see the coalition? Well, let me ask you, that's just... Yeah, that's crazy. That I mean, it's just a total shift in geopolitical activity. Okay, now with the BRICS, is that their version of CBDC? Or will that be a freedom thing? And not, I mean, is that what they're going towards too? Well, there, you know, there's a man that I really respect a lot. I had a couple of drinks with him a few months ago, uh, James Rickards, actually in July. And, and he, James Rickards is a best-selling author. Um, he, um, was employed or or um, they hired him as a consultant, the CIA did um, years ago to help them do simulated financial war games, how a country can destroy us without firing a, a, a bomb or a missile, but simply by um, beating us financially. And he came out and said that at the BRICS meeting, they would issue a gold backed currency. Now it didn't happen, but the only thing that I, I think he made a mistake on was calling for it on a day. The Russian finance minister, Sergei Lavrov, told us two years ago that indeed the new BRICS currency would be backed by a basket of commodities. What did the BIS classify as the world's only other tier one reserve asset? Gold. Who's been buying all the gold? The RICS and BRICS, Russia, China, India, South Africa produces it all, so does China. They're all accumulating it. The central banks have bought more gold in the, over the last 18 months than at any time and ever since they've been around, ever. So he told us it would. Well, James said it would happen. It didn't yet. What they came back and said is that they're shelving it for tabling it for one year. They are tasking all of the finance ministers of these countries to go to the drawing board and come back and report their findings on a unified BRICS settlement currency in the next meeting next year in Russia, but it will happen. It will be pegged to commodities and probably gold. It, but so you don't think it's going to be their version of CBDC, essentially? It will be a CBD. It'll be a BRICS CBD. All of these countries- But it'll be backed by gold. CBDC right now. Every, well, as an example, we kind of have a digital currency anyways. I mean, dollar, so much of it is digital. It's not paper. Correct. And, and the only difference is whether it's on a blockchain that is more sophisticated that can track everybody and is completely but that, that's digital. That's a very, a very, very big deal. And, you know, yeah, and, you it cash, is a big deal. But if it's not backed by gold and it's not, if it's backed by gold and you're not using it to track every single thing somebody's doing, that is different than a digital currency that's fiat that's tracking everything that you're doing. I love that you just said that. So about eight months ago, the... the um... Are you ready to stop funding globalists? Ready to ditch the big box stores and finally buy clean products you can trust that are actually good for you and made in America? If you are, I have an exciting program for you, the Freedom Buying Club. You can buy everyday products from cleaning supplies that detox your home to fluoride-free toothpaste you can trust delivered right to your door. They also have my favorite product now, the highest quality USDA prime beef without hormones and antibiotic free from cows raised humanely in the pasture without mRNA vaccines. You can trust what you are buying, sized in just what you need, convenient packs delivered right to your door. No more wasting meat when you are forced to purchase your own cow from the ranch. If you are interested in helping your family get healthier while supporting America Made, go to freedombuyingclub.com, sign up to speak with a representative, and they will explain the entire opportunity to you. Remember, freedombuyingclub.com. 
International Monetary Fund, which is a Western-friendly organization. They came out and issued a report that said, gold as an international reserve currency, comma, a barbarous relic no more, question mark. They're acknowledging that gold is legit. And Kristalina Georgieva, the head of the IMF about three weeks ago, just came out and said, a central bank digital currency not pegged to something. What is gold? The only other tier one reserve asset is just another fiat currency. So President de Gaulle from France in 1970, 69, 70, when he drained all the gold um, from the Fed or from the, the Treasury, and that's why Nixon closed the gold window, he proved that convertible currencies convert. So you can't make it convertible, I think. But what you could do, to your point, is use is use a blockchain and peg, let's say you peg 20% of every currency unit is pegged to gold and the veracity and the immutability of said gold is on a blockchain for the whole world to see. And you even have an audited third party to say, yeah, it's all there. We counted it. The blockchain is legit. And now you can employ a tether to the government's ability to do what they've done since the beginning of Roman times. And that is to always choose inflation over austerity. Even back in the Roman times, they would clip the edges of the coins and make the coins just a little bit smaller. You do that a thousand times, you got enough to make more coins. That's why you see ridges on coins these days. And that's how it actually happened. But it's the same thing. Governments always choose to inflate over making the tough decisions. And so if you have it tethered 10%, 20%, to gold held on a blockchain for the whole world to see you have injected confidence and trustworthiness and legitimacy to a system lacking all of that. I do think that's what they will do. Now, in the BRICS, the digital yuan, which is being used to settle all the trades on the Belt Road, and they used it, they, they opened it to the public in the Beijing Winter Olympics, has done almost 50 billion in successful transactions. I believe that will be the rails of the new BRICS digital backed currency. And originally they have said, or Lair, uh, Sergei Lair Lavrov said, it'll be a basket of commodities from oil to gold and everything in between. I think it will boil down to mostly gold, but whatever it is, you put it on the distributed ledger, you have it audited. So Saudi Arabia pet pledges oil, kind of like we have our strategic stockpile that numb nuts drop down to almost nothing. Well, you know, you could have the same thing. You could have a stockpile of oil held and audited and it it's Saudi Arabia's pegged to the distributed ledger. Uh, South Africa and China can pledge gold and Russia can pledge natural gas, but however they do it, it gives legitimacy if audited. People say, well, who's going to trust China and Russia? Well, who the hell trusts the United States anymore? I hate to say that. I do. It makes me almost nauseous. But who does when they look at what we're doing to former President Trump, when they look at how we have deviated from the nuclear family and everything that made this country special? What we're doing with the January 6th protesters, what we're doing with freedom of speech, what we're doing with transgender. There I mean, it makes go. us look like a bunch of a banana republic. It's, well, is it's it who intended? would have confidence in us? Is it intended? Do we need to reset the system? So when you, if you just screw things up internationally, that's not enough. You've got to create divisiveness here. You know, at the end of the World War II and the end of um, the Great Depression, what, it, what was it? Well, it was unity. Most of my clients, when I started 33 years ago, were your grandfather's age. And those people were so damn special, it's unbelievable. You would say, I remember the first time I said, oh, hi, John. What's this John stuff? It's Mr. Smith to you. You would say something to these people or they would say something, you bet your ass it was done. 
Guess I want to buy it. Bang. Never broken trade. Never go back on your word. If you didn't call when you said you're going to call, they were mad as hell. Their word was their bond. We were unified. We're not anymore. We are not a unified country. Uh, you are defined by who you voted for in the last election. It's red or blue or black or white or rich or poor or vax or no vax. It's horrible. When I grew up, if you had a disagreement about politics, it was easily handled over dinner and you hug it out. And okay, I like your point. I see that. Now I go to Thanksgiving dinner. My wife says, do not open your damn mouth again. Do not say a word at dinner. I do not want to be embarrassed again. And that's how it is even a family. You know, so it's like it's hilarious your wife is saying that. Well, country, my kids will be like, look at mom. Don't say anything when we're around these people. I, well, I get you know that, that I have talked about you on a lot of podcasts because I say this is lovely woman who I've known for a long time, who is so smart and she's a patriot and she speaks the truth. And not only was she knocked off of YouTube, I have never heard someone get their domain taken for speaking the truth in a country that embraces free speech. The First Amendment. To me, what happened to people like you in 2020 was far worse than the pandemic, far more frightening than the pandemic. If, yeah, we'll get through this, but if we are, are entering a period of time where even speaking the truth is censored to the way that it is vilified, taken off your platform, what does that say for where we are going? And, you know, you can it was say a shock. Thing. With logarithmic decay, little by little by little by little by little by little, then all at once, like Jenga, the game, little by little by little by little by bang, all at once. These things, transgenderism, cancel culture, um, censoring, all of these things, the Justice Department right in your face, the FBI, I mean, these were institutions and things that, first of all, the FBI and the Justice Department held to a very high standard. Like I said, people risked their lives to get her to have that leaving an authoritarian regime to have justice and liberty equally applied. And all of the things this country respected people, we, we respected, we didn't celebrate, and now this stuff is in your face. Look at what is happening in California. For God's sakes, you got the, the uh, what is it, the uh, district attorney in the state of California wants to sue a school district and think in Ojai for standing up for parents' rights because they want to say if a child is going to, to switch genders at school, the parents need to be alerted. And they say, no, 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 you can't do that. I mean, in what world does your kid get to make a decision <laughs> like that at 15 or 16 years old and you don't have a right to, be, to know about it? I mean, it's just insanity. And that's what makes me feel, and you, this is, none of this is, is political. This is, yes, the Democratic Party is, is ruling right now, but both parties are stupid. This is, this is just, we've lost common sense. Or are the people pulling the strings? Mad. Are the people pulling the strings trying to level the playing field? Are they trying to bring us all down to our knees and say, give us a central bank digital currency, please? Because everything's blown up. Is that where we're heading? I don't know. But I'll tell you something, those kinds of things, bum me out far more than the loss of the petrodollar. Those kind of things, because if you think of the United States, we're the underdogs, we, 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 we did it when our back was against the wall. We, you know, look at, look at the battle of the bulge, look at, look at everything. You know, we're, we, we rise to the occasion when we need to, because we're unified. God and the nuclear family and 
and and respect and patriotism and look at the lawlessness for God's sake. I left Minnesota because of it. Moved to Florida because of the of Minnesota leading the nation's charge and defunding the police. And look at what's happening in in these wonderful cities like San Francisco, like New York City. I mean, where every one of these big shopping centers and hotels are just walking away. And you know why they can walk away? Because they're non-recourse loans, these big commercial real estate loans. These are corporations. Sorry, we went bankrupt there. We're filing chapter. Take the building, bank. I don't want it. And anymore. they're just doing it. They don't have the tenants either. Like New York. I know somebody yeah. who uh, has rented an office in New York. She ended up getting, she used to rent like before COVID, like five years ago, uh, she'd rent an office. Now she can get a whole floor in a building for the price she used to pay for one office. Right. And at can you imagine point, that? No. And at what point does that start to put massive strain on the, the people who own the bank, but who really are the, or the building, who really owns the building? It's the banks. And do you know that the regional banks that are coming under so much stress hold 70% of all the commercial real estate loans and leases in the United States? They also hold 70% of the small business loans. Who's getting eviscerated? The middle class, the small businessman or woman who have traditionally represented 40% of uh, domestic GDP. The whole thing sucks. And the whole thing is spinning out of control. And either our politicians are wacky, stupid, or very diabolical, and they know what they're doing. Some do, some don't. I, I think don't it's know. a combination. Yeah, it's a combination. They hire and- the dip, the dipwads on purpose because they don't know what they're doing, so they can do whatever they want. And then there are people that are specifically trying to do. I don't know. I I think it's always a combination. Maybe it is, but. Look, if you realize that on January 1st, 2022, the three-month treasury was 0.06% and now it's 5.54, you incentivize all of this debt accumulation and 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 an extension of credit at super low interest rates, not only for the for the consumer, but for the businesses who bought the extra building, hired 400 extra people, started a new division, did all this stuff because money's cheap forever, and it went up that fast. You just cranked up the pain meter on everybody. And the only reason that the residential real estate market hasn't collapsed yet, you see what, where the real pressure is, is on commercial real estate and, and the employment numbers, because businesses are going to go out of business when the cost of money is so expensive and everyone is reining in. Corporations are laying off. People lose their job. They don't spend as much. The economy slows. You get fired. Now, why hasn't the, the real residential real estate collapsed yet as the commercial real estate is, is because 90% of the people in this country are locked into a rate at under 5%, like 30 or 40% under 4%, 25% or more under 3%, 3% or less. So you can't move, you're trapped. If you have a 3% mortgage and you bought a house three years ago and the house doubled or tripled, you still aren't getting out because the cost of money has gone up threefold nearly. And so you get out, you pay off your debt, you try to move laterally. A million dollar mortgage two and a half years ago would buy you a $400,000 house today. It's it's it's, it's incredible. It's crazy. People can't move until they lose their job and the bank takes the house. And what did Thomas Jefferson say? First by inflation, then by deflation, we'll end up renting from uh, the land that our forefathers conquered. That's just like Klaus Schwab saying, you'll own nothing and rent and be happy. In other words, 
create an environment that in that that incentivizes speculation and, and debt accumulation, blow up asset prices to all-time highs by flooding the world with money, the most that the world has ever seen in a four-year period, and then step on interest rates so you have massive distortions in asset prices. And here's a good idea. Jack interest rates up over two years and watch what happens. Watch this experiment. And when it all plays out, you're going to have banks that collapse and get bailed in. You're going to have commercial real estate be the catalyst for all of this, along with the banks. You know, people losing their jobs. It'll be a nightmare. I well, hate that's, it will like be, this, and it's, but I don't see any other way. It started to happen with some of these banks collapse, collapsing, and they slowed it down. They kicked the can down the road. But, you know, Weiss Research Group, who has been notoriously almost perfect at, at predicting what banks are going to fail, they're saying... I know you know who they are. Everybody reads them. Um, during the collapse in 2008, they're right on 99.6% of the banks that they predicted. And they're saying something like 2,000 banks are imminent failure and another couple thousand are uh, at high risk of failure. Imminent what, what does failure. Lil Brainerd want? Lil Brainerd wants to call the banks, just have a couple of big commercial banks and the, and the Federal Reserve dole out the money to the world, when do you, to the U.S. That's when exactly right. That's what she wants to do. So when do you think this is going to start happening? I mean, if they're right. Very, 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 very soon. It's imminent. So they're talking like this fall kind of thing. Yes. Look at Schwab. Look at PNC. Schwab's numbers are right in between in terms of horrible balance sheet, uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, both who failed. Schwab has something like 130% of their assets. They borrowed about 130% of their assets from this short-term bank lending program that the Fed rolled out, this emergency short-term bank lending program with very onerous rates. And they borrowed 130% and the money's due back in about six months where they come up with it. Look at these banks that all have massive unrealized losses. And for your listeners out there who don't understand how this has happened, I'll explain. During COVID, the president told the banks, you don't have to keep anything in the way of reserves. So go ahead and, and, and buy assets. So when you put your money in a bank, uh, Sarah, let's say you put $100,000 into a U.S. bank in Minnesota, and and, um, that's an asset to you, it's a liability to the bank. Now, the bank must offset that liability with an asset. So traditionally, they would buy treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. Seems like a smart idea, treasury backed by the Federal Reserve, uh, mortgage-backed securities backed by Fannie and Freddie Mae. Um, so why not do that? The Fed's keeping interest rates low forever. So you put all this money in, they don't have to keep anything virtually in the way of reserves. So they, you put that money in, they buy treasuries at 2% and mortgage-backed securities at 3%. The treasuries are 10-year, the mortgage-backed securities are 30-year. What happens? Jack rates way up in two years. Now, they have nothing in the way of reserves. You see runs on the bank and everyone starts to you know Moody's and S&P just downgraded 16 banks and those banks are in trouble. So people run to get their money out and move them to the too big to fail banks like JP Morgan, where everyone tries to leave. But they're going to the too big to fail banks because Janet Yellen told us that those banks are too big to fail. And so they have money market accounts that pay 5% with daily liquidity because the Fed is allowing those money markets to go into the overnight reverse repo market. So you have all this money leaving. As the money leaves, they don't have the reserves to meet the redemption request. So they have to sell their assets. 
If you have a bond with five years left to go on it paying 2% or you can buy a brand new bond for six, for, for three months earning five and a half percent, are you going to buy a, a, a bond with five years left on it at two? No, that bond has lost 60% of its value. You start to sell those bonds and now that mortgages are at 8% almost, why do you want one at 3% when you get eight brand new? I don't. So those bonds and those, those mortgage-backed securities have lost 50, 60, 70% of their value. And when they have to sell them to meet redemption requests, bang, in like 36 hours, Silicon Bank was upside down. And so will all of these banks. And what's even more frightening is you're on a number basis, you're seeing more money leave the commercial banks than the regional banks. Now, why was all the money leaving the regional banks? Because when the Dodd-Frank law happened, in 2009, they said banks can never be bailed out again. They'll be bailed in. You're an unsecured general creditor. So when Silicon Valley Bank failed, the representative from Oklahoma who grilled Janet Yellen said, what the hell did you just do? You just broke the law. You just bailed out Silicon Valley Bank. And the Dodd-Frank says you can't do that. Why did you do that? Well, because we determined that they're too systemic. Now, I want to mention something most people don't know. A few months later, and I'll get back to the story here on Janet. A few months later, there was a meeting, the, the House uh, uh, grilled the executives of Silicon Valley Bank, and he said to the bank executive, one of the congressmen said, let me ask you a question. For three years, you've had 10 checking accounts, checking accounts, three years, with a cumulative total of $14 billion in them. On average, $1.4 billion per checking account. At a period of time where checking accounts are paying zero in interest, and only $250,000 guaranteed FDIC. Now, where the hell was risk management of the bank and of the companies? And where the hell was the FDIC that was receiving annual reports from you? Why was this bank bailed out when they had $14 billion in checking accounts? In 10 of them, when they could have taken that money, let's say you have $1.4 billion in an account and you are the, the risk management officer at a big corporation. What the... F were you doing, leaving that in there, earning nothing in the way of return and risking everything we have. Now, why were they bailed out? Should they not have been bailed in and lost everything? That's what the Dodd-Frank law says. And was that done to get the snowball rolling down the hill? We bail them out. Janet Yellen says, well, it was too systemic. So the representative says, well, am I to believe then if my home state of Oklahoma, if we have a regional bank fail that my constituents will be bailed out? She says, no. She says it will take an uber majority vote of the FOMC, which is the Federal Reserve, the FDIC, myself and the president. That bank should have been bailed out. They should have lost their ass and instead are bailed in. Instead, they were bailed out. And she says, well, the taxpayer won't bear the burden. Bullshit. The taxpayer won't bear the burden. But she lit a fuse under the banks. So now all of these people say to themselves, geez, I could stay in a regional bank where it will be bailed in, where you are an unsecured general creditor, anything over 250000 is gone to bail in the bank. And the best return I can get is in a one-year CD. I have to leave it there for a year at 4.5% if I'm in a savings account. This is right now. If I'm in a savings account, I get a half a percent. Or I can move it to a bank that Janet said is too big to fail, like JP Morgan. I can get 5.5% with daily liquidity in a money market in a too big to fail bank. Geez, do you think they should allow the money markets to invest in the overnight repo market or are they aiding and abetting? But here's where it's crazy. There's more money coming out of the commercial banks and they go right to the Fed, right to the treasury, treasurydirect.gov. You can buy six months, one year, whatever treasuries you want, 
right from the government. You move all, remove all systemic risk. So the people in the regional banks are going to the money markets and the commercial banks and the huge money in the commercial banks, they're front running something that's going to happen and they're going right to the government and removing all government risk. But ask That's what they do. They remove all that risk and they give them all the upside. Okay, so are the is the banking sector really angry? The smaller regional banks? They ought to be. They ought to be. Are they? Are you seeing that? I mean, because I haven't heard anyone saying they're angry. But if I mean, I, I don't talk to bank executives, but the reason they should be angry is that the Federal Reserve incentivize them first by removing the reserve requirements and then keeping interest rates low forever. They incentivize them to do this. If you have to offset those deposits with a asset, well, what more, um, what would be the most conservative and appropriate asset to back those deposits with? Treasuries backed by the full faith and credit of the government. Interest rates are low forever, then bang! They went up faster than any time in human history or in the United States history. I mean, yes, there's still the, the the return when you factor in inflation is basically zero, but they went again on December on January 1st, 2022, 0.06 in a three month, now 5.54 in in that's in a crazy. Year and a half. That's that's as high as you yeah, you haven't seen that before. And so now all of those assets that the banks have been encouraged to accumulate are toxic. And they're underwater. And as more banks, as more deposits leave, they don't have the reserve. So they have to sell those assets. If they were able to hold them to maturity, they'd get their money back plus the, the 2% on the treasuries. Well, but if they have to they sell them, they sell them into the market at a 60 or 70% discount because oh, the gosh. new treasuries are paying, you know, way, way yeah. more oh, yeah. by those. Okay. So when is this going to happen? I know it's imminent. You know, it's... it. I, they're just hanging on as long as they can. What are they doing while they're hanging on? They're probably decoupling, they're preparing, they're doing everything they can to save their Do you think there's any coincidence? Pride. Do you think there's any coincidence that the world central banks, who not only have the most money, but they know the playbook, they're the most informed. Do you think there's any coincidence that they've been using the suppression of the Western paper gold and silver market to accumulate more gold and silver than at any time in central bank history? You think there's any coincidence that the London Bullion Metals Exchange and the COMEX are watching their exchanges being bled dry of their commodities, not just gold and silver. The LBMA lost 90% of their zinc last year. You need that to make batteries and that kind of stuff. They lost 75% of their aluminum. Who's buying it all? Where's it going? Why is it leaving the it's, ecosystem? It's you can going leave it them. within the depositories. You can leave it within the COMEX in a vault. No, I'll take possession of it. Thanks. Where's they the want point? possession like thing. everybody else who knows what's going on. Removing okay. counterparty risk. See, that's okay, right. they've been holding down the prices. Some people think that silver should be up to seven hundred dollars. Gold should be, you know, over ten thousand, sixteen thousand. The interesting thing, Sarah, is that over the last decade, all of the assets have been blown sky high because of suppression of interest rates and easy money where price discovery becomes impossible. If interest rates are at zero and everyone has tons of money available to them without any without any stipulation on employment or asset basis, go ahead, you have a heartbeat, we'll give you a loan. 
And those asset prices go to the moon and hedge funds can borrow billion dollars at 1% interest and, and, and buy a whole slew of Airbnbs around the country, plow it into the stock market, into the bond market, make a fortune in cryptocurrencies all and pay that back with no problem at all. The distortions that were created because of that environment made everyone speculate, made everyone get them over their head. And then they jack interest rates up faster than any time in history and watch the experiment unfold. So when does it happen? Uh, you look, you know, the insiders know what's going to happen. And I don't know when or what triggers it. But I think when you speak in terms of probabilities, the probability of this happening grows by the day, the likelihood of it grows by the day. And um, I think that if there, if you don't really realize this, it's like there's a baseball player. Uh, I don't know if you know much about baseball. I, it's been my life forever. And his name is Randy Johnson. He'll be in the Hall of Fame, and he might already be. He's almost seven feet tall. He threw 100 miles an hour. In fact, if you Google Randy Johnson hits bird, he pitched once. He threw a pitch. He played for the Seattle Mariners. He threw a pitch, and a poor, unsuspecting bird flew by the same time, and it exploded. He threw so fast. I liken what is happening right now for most of the public you know, the people you and I talk to are the pimple on the elephant's ass. The elephant hasn't turned around yet to see what's bothering him back there. The public is just blissfully asleep, thinking everything will be okay. But I liken it to being in the batter's box of Randy Johnson throwing 110 miles an hour wearing a blindfold. It, you can't see what's coming. You can't get out of the way of it. And I think that's really where we are heading. And most of the people will be swept up in this. Most of the people will believe it was Xi Jinping and Putin and OPEC that did it to us. Most of the people would accept another uh, round of you know what for the you know what that's coming. I mean, the people in this country, most of them are asleep. And most of them, they work so hard just to keep their head above water. They come home, they're exhausted. They have a beer, they have dinner, they play with their it's kids, help them home and collapse. They don't it's have time to sit sad. down and listen to you and me. And it's sad, but it's the truth. And I, I truly believe that this will happen. And I think it'll happen before the end of this year, you will begin to see bank bail-ins. And look, we added 14,000 clients in March and April in two months, that's over four years worth of client acquisition in two months when the banks were bailed out. What happens when those banks are bailed in and everyone loses everything? Now, here's another thing. FDIC, we're so enamored with FDIC, it'll protect you. They have 140 billion in assets backing 18 trillion in deposits. They borrowed $170 billion from the Federal Reserve to, to allow for the orderly transition out of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. And when you realize that the FDIC is a scam too, this whole thing is, is a house of cards. And, you know, um, I look at gold and silver not as an investment. I look at it as wealth. That is I know you don't. everything the world has ever thrown at it. And but I want, but I want you to... I know you don't, you see it as an insurance and that it's in case everything collapses, you're there with, but with the price suppression, I know you don't like to answer it because I'll you, answer it. Okay. Where should silver be? Where should gold be if the price wasn't suppressed? Because I'm hearing literally numbers that are off the charts and it's hard to answer that question. That's why you don't want because you don't know. That, I mean, how it's well, so hard. Go ahead. I think it'll it will go higher than anyone thinks possible. Both of them will. And if you realize that the silver to gold ratio, the, the mining ratio, the geologic ratio, 
is now seven to one. Uh, that's it's what is coming out of the ground globally is seven ounces of silver for every one ounce of gold. And it used to be 16 to one for 5,000 years. Funny thing is it's priced at 80 to one right now because of the suppression. But if you took the price of gold right now, uh, call it 1950 divided by seven, right now it should be $278 an ounce. It should be. That's its silver geologic ratio. Put silver at 5,000 an ounce or, I mean, gold at 5,000 an ounce, divide by seven. I mean, yeah, when you talk about like um, uh, Cliff High talks about six or 700 an ounce. So put gold at 5,000, divide by seven, you're at $714. That is logical. It's that a logical. Yeah. That's not crazy. If, if if we realize that silver is needed in green and digital applications, there's 500 ounces in the tip of every Tomahawk cruise missile. And we give away all of our advanced uh, weaponry, uh, the Tomahawk cruise missiles and the javelins. We're giving them away to the Ukraine, you know, where we've given them uh, almost $200 billion, of course, $5 billion to build a wall to keep our children from dying of fentanyl poisoning and 6 million illegals entering this country inappropriately is too much. But almost 200 billion to a war that we should have nothing to do with is okay. And, but if you realize that you need silver for green, for digital, well, we told Saudi Arabia we're going green. Everything is digital these days. And, you know, your iPhone, your iPad, the computer screen I'm looking at you on, everything needs silver, the batteries in the green cars that we're gonna be driving and the copious amounts of silver used in advanced weaponry the price should be way higher, but that's why they're holding it down. And maybe that's why the U.S. Mint has been the model of inefficiency for four years. Maybe they're stockpiling all the silver instead of creating silver eagles. But the point is, is that the ratio of seven to one, at some point when it's an asset that is needed so much in industrial applications, in military applications, and has experienced a monetary renaissance, at some point, the geologic ratio, which by the way, this will be the second year in a row, according to the Silver Institute, we will have at least a 200 million ounce shortfall between supply and demand. It is depleting in nature. It is found in a form called epithermal, very near the surface. The big deposits were found decades ago. It's becoming harder and harder and harder to find and it's experiencing more and more and more utility and uses. At some point, the geologic ratio has to come into line with the price. And it's the, it's the value of a generation. And look, India imported over 300 million ounces. Someone is draining all the silver off the Shanghai Metals Exchange, the Shanghai Futures Exchange, the London Metals Exchange, the COMEX market, and the SLV ETFs. They're all being drained by very, very sophisticated investors. It would be easier for one of your listeners to write me a check for $50 million for silver right now than it would be for them to try and go take possession of $50 million worth of COMEX contract silver bars. Whoever is doing this across the globe really is sophisticated and has huge deep pockets. Well, I wonder who that is. Those are the central banks and the sovereign wealth funds who do not care how the West suppress the price. In fact, they encourage it. And, and that's why the Chinese are not bitching and the Russians and the Saudis are not bitching because the West is beating, they're beating us with our own stupid leverage. It's called najitsu. You beat your opponent, opponent with their own leverage. And that's what is happening until there is no silver and gold left to suppress. You can only manipulate a market over an extended period of time by pushing in the direction it's going. And for the very first time in my career, gold and silver are being, I think, acknowledged for what they really are. And so 
The game is coming to a close. I do believe that. That's why the central banks not only are massively buying it, but they're repatriating it and taking possession. They are removing counterparty risk because what are gold and silver? Assets that are not simultaneously someone else's liability, like dollars, like treasuries, like stocks, like bonds. They all have counterparty. All of it, gold and silver, don't. And so I think that's why it's happening. And um, that I don't is think right. Yeah. Anything yet, Sarah. I know, isn't that crazy? We haven't seen anything yet. Let me ask you before we finalize this, you are, you have so much more notoriety and a lot of respect. I know that you're on uh, Robert Richman, or what is it? Rich- Robert Kiyosaki, Rich, Rich Dad. Rich Dad. Rich Dad. Yeah, you're on his, He's you're his go-to person. You've been talking to a lot more people. Are people calling you now just to say, Okay, Andy, I really, really need your advice. Are you getting more high level? Yeah, a lot. Becoming a lot. more of an advisor for a lot of people around the world. Look, YouTube's changed my life, Sarah, more than anything ever made except my wife. I mean, literally completely uprooted yep. my life in a way that I can't explain to, to people. I, I can understand. And, um, I, you know, I did an interview on Kitco with Michelle McCory, a com competitor of mine. It's there, if you go to YouTube, and look up Kitco on YouTube and search by most viewed YouTube videos, I'm number one with 1.5 million views, whatever I am saying about this stuff. And, you know, I started talking about this, I did 1,200 videos over in the last almost four years talking about this topic. My wife came to me about three months into it. And she said, man, you're saying the same shit over and over and over again. I said, you don't understand. No <laughs> one's talking about it. It's happening. I have to tell the world. And I've been saying this. You leave it oh, to your family to say stuff like that. They'll tell resonating. you what they think. It's resonating with people. Yeah. And I don't want to come across as being a genius. The only thing I want to come across as is being authentic and honest and caring. And I do. And I try to be. And I am. And I do care. I want my clients to succeed. And I feel this is, look, I've done $9 billion in sales. I don't need to do this. I don't need to put myself out there to face the public to stand up and, and call the Justice Department um, weaponized. And, and am I a target? I God, God willing, I hope I'm not. But, you know, I just I feel I need to wake people up. It's I don't know why I'm being pushed to do this in my own mind. Maybe I'm just stupid. But I can tell you that <laughs> I, I believe in this in my soul, that we are entering yeah. a period of time that is very frightening. And that's just my two cents on it. I think the heroes are coming out of the woodwork, the people who you don't need to, you are someone who you don't need to, but you need to for your kids, right? You need to for others. And that's, I know you feel that. That is how I feel. And I, look, I appreciate you saying that. It is how I feel. And um, I don't know, it is gaining some, some uh, traction, at least in terms of possibilities. Look, we live in a world of probabilities. There are no guarantees. I hope I'm wrong. My youngest kid's 16, and I hope I'm wrong. I'm afraid for the world that I'll grow old in and the world they'll grow up in, my three kids. So I say that to everyone. I hope I'm wrong. I base my things, my conclusions upon mathematics, economics, and a sprinkling of old school logic. I'm old school, and uh, I've been doing this for 33 years, and I mean... I hope I'm wrong, but unfortunately, either that, either I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, and our politicians are just stupid, or I'm right, and this is is they're nefarious, and they understand. Maybe they think this is the lesser of two evils, 
I don't know. But um, we are heading down a place where I think we look back five, 10 years from now and say, geez, I, I really uh, uh, I really miss the good old days. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, you know, everything good doesn't last forever. And, you know, I think we do the best we can to prepare and hope it doesn't happen. But if you're not at least open to the fact of being a contrarian, I think the chances of you being a victim before it's all said and done grow by the day. So uh, yeah, don't I buy gold so and silver to become wealthy. Buy it because it is wealth. Wealth, as I've said on your show before, that has outlived every World War, two of them, the Great Depression, um, German hyperinflation, every pandemic, everything the world's ever thrown at it. And it is still immutable to the point where the central banks, the most influential, well-funded and well-informed traders on the globe, have bought more over the last 15 months than in all of history. And what did the most influential bank in the world call gold? Tier one. What's the only other tier one? Dollars. Put it all together. It's happening. And it's happening out there. It's happening in here, in the country, out there with a the coalition of countries moving against the West. You put it all together, it's one big ball of, of trouble. And as the Chinese curse says, may you live in interesting times. These are interesting for sure. Okay, so where do people get it? Uh, I know you have an online website. People should also consider moving their IRA or at least part of theirs to protect themselves and they can yeah, store so, it and take possession of it too. Well, yes, you, and when you buy a precious metals IRA, you can take possession of it. It is a taxable event. So you buy gold and silver bullion, bullion, do not buy proof coins in your IRA people do not. The companies you see on TV that are specifically promoting IRAs, if they tell you to buy proof coins, hang up the phone and call Miles Franklin or any other gold dealer that will sell you bullion coins, American Eagles, Canadian Maple Leafs, one ounce gold bars, one ounce silver rounds. Do not buy proof coins in your IRAs. What's a proof um, coin? And so, yes, we can help. I don't you even that know way. what a proof coin is. What a is proof a proof coin is? It's the same piece of gold or silver that they call commercial strike that they only sell through the dealers like myself. They take a, a planchet, a blank piece of gold or silver, they stamp it, they put it in tubes of 20s, boxes of 500 and send it out to the distributors who then sell it to the public. A proof coin, you can go on usmint.gov and buy directly from the mint. They take that same piece of gold and silver and they polish it under an industrial buffer till you can see a reflection. They stamp it four times for greater definition Put it in a velvet box and sell it for two, three times what it would be if it were not oh. a proof coin. It's kind of like uh, it's it's a pretty coin that would be cool to receive as a gift. But if you're accumulating gold and silver, it's about as unpractical. And um, you're paying twice or three coin. times what you should be. And it's and and it's got huge premiums and they make huge commissions. Anyways, yes, we can help that. Um, our website is is done, although the tax software. Like for example, Florida, my home, I'm now my home state, not Minnesota where our corporate office is located. And we leave it in Minnesota because it's the only state in America that mandates licensing and bonding. We are licensed and bonded. Almost every company in America is boycotted in Minnesota. But Minnesota is a good example, right? Let's use Minnesota. You can't buy on my online portal yet on our website in Minnesota or Florida. If you call us, you can, because Minnesota has a law that says if you buy coins, legal tender coins, including those that are made by the U.S. government, you pay Minnesota state sales tax. If you buy bars and rounds, you don't. I mean, that's the stupidest rule I've ever heard. This from the state that that uh, 
that builds a twin stadium in downtown Minneapolis without a retractable roof and the season ends in November if they make the World Series, be sitting in a snowdrift. Starts April 1st, you're sitting in a snowdrift. <laughs> so they're stupid. Well, they tax legal tender coins, including legal tender made by the U.S. Treasury. 7% sales tax, whereas if you buy a bar or a round, and let's use a Canadian mint as an example. One ounce Canadian maple leaf gold coin, you pay tax. One ounce gold bar made by the Royal Canadian Mint, you don't pay tax. Stupid. Well, so you just buy the stuff that you don't pay tax on. Right. So you have to call us. State of Florida or California have a law, no tax on metals unless it's under $2,000. So if you buy $1,100 worth of gold or silver, it's taxed. So we never did that. We never sold those little amounts. We told people you got to buy a little more than that. Well, now that we have an online site, we are entering all of this very complex um, uh, information into a program that's called Avalara Tax. And it's being like in New York, numismatics are taxed, bullion isn't. Different counties have different, you know, by a, a decimal point, oh, uh, different tax rates. So it's all being put in. If you get a, on our milesfranklin.com that we don't deliver to this state yet, either send us an email at info at milesfranklin.com and make sure you put Sarah sent me, ask questions, say I want to be contacted. If they're for me, say I need to talk to Andy, say I want info on precious metals IRAs or ask for the, the more competitive price sheet. We only go up to 10 grand on the website. If you're placing a larger order, our prices get way more competitive. They'll be as competitive as 99.9% .9 or more so of the companies in America. So either go to the website to check things out, smaller orders, or info at Miles Franklin, or give us a call and simply say, I want to have, I have questions on this or that or that, and I want to see the price list. Sarah sent me, and we will make sure your listeners are treated like family, as we always have, I hope. And um, and then it's easier. Once you do that easy. first buying, you get it figured out, then going forward, it's easier to buy with you going forward than buying online. And it's safer. I think so, because it's where safer we're going, than, go ahead. Look, where we're going, relationships are important. I mean, how many times have you emailed me or texted me and I get right back to you to answer a question? Or if you know someone, a friend or family that wants precious metals, how many times have I got just like that? I'm always back to you. And that's what relationships are. I want or to do I what just I say, to take care of you, you know? Or I just say, hey, Andy, I need another 5,000 of silver, you know, when I can. I don't do it a lot, but I do it when I can. And, and, and I, then and you I just... always get right back. You get right back. It's coming. And that's it. You take care of everything because I already have it set up. It's, and so it's really good. I have 14 brokers. And with the exception of three of them that I met three, four years ago that I was enamored with, two of them, two of them, both of them were on Wall Street. Um, most of the brokers in my company go back to Little League with me and to elementary school. And uh, they have um, distinguished careers leading up to coming with me. Some of them started working with me 15, 20 years ago. Most of them I've known my whole life, almost every one of them, and they're family to me. And, and to me, what that symbolizes is that we are like brothers outside of work. That means this is their company too. And they treat it that way. And they are not only accountable, but they're accessible. And they understand that the only thing that would ever get me mad is overcharging someone or me finding out that someone's not getting back to someone. That's when friendship and business cross a line. And I've never had to have that discussion with any of my friends that I consider to be brothers and one sister. So in fact, my real sister works at Miles Franklin too. And um, that's what we are. We're a family-based company that uh, somehow 
through all the odds, uh, eclipsed nine billion in sales, starting from nothing, from a loan from my dad's best friend, whose middle name was Franklin. And um, here we are. So I appreciate more than you'll ever know my relationship with you, our friendship, your trust in me. Look, a, a person like you, trust is everything. That's what you are. You are giving information and people trust you. That's why they listen to you. And I acknowledge that. And all of my friends who are my brokers acknowledge that. So we take it very seriously and and, and um, as a heart attack. And we look forward to continuing the relationship and speaking with any of your clients who just want to ask questions. There's nothing obligatory about calling. You don't have to feel like, oh, geez, a better place in order. No, you call. And if we do our job right over time, then there will be an order to that's be placed. Right. If not, we that's haven't done right. our job right. And that's, right. that's on us. And you can learn and figure it out and, and see if it's right for you. That's right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate these conversations. I had so to have you back on with the BRICS situation going down last week. I mean, this is all coming down. It just yeah. is. And so we need to know about it. And we got to keep on this. And I got to have you back soon. And thank you so much. Have a great uh, Labor Day weekend, by the way. You do the same. Stay well. And I look forward, Sarah, to picking up where we left off real soon. Anytime. I'm a, I'm a text away and always happy to come and join your show. We take care.